Hello, I'm Emily Hazard. And I'm Becca Anderson. And this is Grey's Anatomy Uncut, a podcast where we discuss and analyze episodes of Grey's Anatomy. Today we're talking about Season 2, Episode 18, entitled Yesterday, a song that was originally sung by the Beatles. Original air date is February 19th, 2006, written by Krista Vernoff. Our love. Directed by Rob Korn. (laughs) (laughs) Yay, Korn. (laughs) I don't know why his name is so funny to me. Anyway. Uh, 24.36 million viewers, which is down from last week. That number is down from last week. Mind blown. Good lord. So I have some follow-up. Of course you do. I have officially gone through it, and I am 99% sure that... Season 2, episode 13 is the last episode that had the intro. I don't know why they just stopped it in the middle of a season, but whatever. Me neither. Me neither. Believe me, I've thought about it. But also, it. let's be honest, I didn't really like the intro to begin with. Really? <laughs> Nobody knows. I always liked it. I always thought it was interesting. I thought it was kind of weird. Well, that's kind of the point. Mm, oh. You don't have any follow-up? No. I right. never have any follow-up. Alright, so I'm I'm gonna be real with you guys. After season two, episode seventeen, this episode was kinda just okay for me. If you look at it on its own, it's a great episode, but really any episode that follows that amazing two part bomb episode, I feel like is just gonna pale in comparison. That being said, this episode does do a lot of things really well. Um, the character interactions and general storylines are super good. We finally get to put faces with kind of the, I'll say, notorious characters that we've heard so much about, you know, Mark Sloan, Thatcher. Plus, we really get, we get some interesting developments with the Meredith Derrick storyline and, you know, all of the different tangles of that web. But I'm going to be honest with you also, none of these patients are going to be on my top 10 patient list for season two when we do that overview, because I'm going to say it, they're kind of boring. She said it, folks. <laughs> I'm going to drop the knowledge on you. (laughs) Open up your brain tank and get ready for some A1 knowledge. (laughs) I can't. But really, like, I don't... Compared to some of the other patients we've had and, like, what some of the other patients have done in their storylines, these are just kind of meh to me. Like, this episode, I feel like, is more about the introduction of the two characters. I agree. And that stuff. I would say that... I mean, and this might be a minor spoiler, but whatever. No, it's not a spoiler. I think of all of season two, the three most skipped episodes for me, meaning that like when I do like, you know, my 50th rewatch, I will skip these episodes, are 210, 218, and 219. Mm-hmm. But I feel like half of that for you, at least for this episode, is the ending as well. Yeah. The whole Meredith George thing. Yeah, I don't know. Like I, minor spoiler, but you probably already saw this coming. It doesn't go well. Yeah, because who doesn't see that coming? Yeah. Well, anyway, opening statement. <laughs> this this episode though, like, gets a lot done in forty two minutes mm-hmm. when you think about it. Like, it's a breath out after the bomb, but it doesn't mean it doesn't get shit done. Like, a ton of stuff happens in this episode. Yeah, a ton of stuff. That's the thing is, I feel like if this episode was before the bomb episode. Like, like, how do you follow up an episode with that? You don't. And it's with this. And it's like, yes, it's good, but then you're like, but, but 
17 and 16 were so good. And it's like, but you can't compare them to that because, like, that's just in it. Like, that's in a world of its own in any way. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Well, like, like Becca said, a lot of these patients are just forgettable, like, to be honest. Like, mm-hmm. okay, if a season two patient could possibly actually be forgettable, it would be these ones. And I would just like to further say that Mark and Thatcher entering into this episode kind of is cementing the fact that 215 was indeed the end of an era. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I can't really talk about it until we get to 219 of why I it's the end of an era. So I will be touching on that, you know, next episode. Mm-hmm. And the last thing I wanted to say is that this episode's theme is growing up and, like, there's no such thing as an adult or, like, you know. But it also has kind of, like, a sub-theme of, like, speak your mind, almost. Mm-hmm. Like, say your piece. Yeah, like, speak now. Don't say yes, run away now. <laughs> All right, so we open with this voiceover. After careful consideration and many sleepless nights, here's what I've decided. There's no such thing as a grown-up. We move on, we move out, we move away from our families and form our own. But the basic insecurities, the basic fears, and all those old wounds just grow up with us. And just when we think that life and circumstances have forced us, truly, once and for all, to become an adult, your mother says something like that. Or worse, something like that. (laughs) We get bigger, we get taller, we get older. But for the most part, we're still a bunch of kids running around the playground, trying desperately to fit in. Your mama says something like that. So then, okay, so a lot of the previously on Grey's Anatomy stuff is from very early episodes. A lot of season one shots, Mm -hmm. which, you know, should be hinting at something. And holy Jesus Christ, this first song. (sighs) Diplo Rhythm by Diplo, comma, Pantera O's Danda... In <laughs> Dana Dinhos, Sandra Melody, and <laughs> Vibes Vibes Cartel, <laughs> and so we open an amazing match with quite possibly the best scene. <laughs> this is bonkers like i am just floored that this happened like so we open and it's christina dancing and brushing her teeth in the apartment and then burke comes in like clearly just coming back from a jog which like first off burke jogs like runs i told you he was like healthy i know but like we've gotten this far and we've never seen another thing of like him being like hey i'm gonna run well this is this is like still character building i mean they're still pretty early in the show here this is only season two and he does this thing where he's like, no, no, I'm not going to dance with you. I'm not going to dance with you. And then all of a sudden just like turns it on. Like, yeah, like Christina just like stops and stares at him. And then she like starts dancing and he's like, no, I'm all wet. And literally like. And he does. And he just like turns it on. And oh my God, Burke's dance moves. I just, the moment that he turns it on is like the most amazing thing for me. I mean, like, Christina laughs out loud, and I cannot help but wonder if that's Sandra O oh doing that. Like, okay, so this is a quote from Krista Vernoff. She goes, 
The scene with Burke and Christina dancing is my personal favorite in the history of Grey's. Me too, sister. It was so fabulously adorable and intimate and character revealing all at once. Sandra and Isaiah just floored me and Rob Corn. Rob Corn. <laughs> like, and he's just like, he's like, no, no. And then he just goes, Christina, give me a beat. <laughs> No, he's like, no, no, don't make me dance. Don't make me dance. And then he's just like, watch this. And then he just like, goes into it. It's the most insane thing ever. It's amazing. I am the dancing queen. My middle name is Abba. Preston, Abba, Burke. What is up, shorty? We can dance if we want to. Christina, get low. (laughs) Drop it to the floor. Apple bottom jeans. Boots with the fur. (laughs) With the fur. The whole club was was looking at Burke. (laughs) We could go on for hours. Yes, sick beat. Hours about this scene, but it's fantastic. It's insane. I mean, it's bonkers. Like, I made some gifts, and he's, like, at one point doing this weird, like, dolphin roll with his, like, he's in, like, just, he's into it. Like, you know that, like, Christina's like, oh, come on, dance. And he's like, no. And he's like, clear the floor. Watch this. And he just, like... Oh my god. Can you imagine if the camera just pans over and he's like spinning on his head or something? Yes. <laughs> like I all can. of a sudden just like breaks out into like some... Oh. Like freestyle. <laughs> and he's just like, watch this bitch. And then he just like breaks out. Or like just starts doing like some like killer like ballet moves or something. And just like, spoiler alert, I did ballet for 20 years. <laughs> you see him over in the corner just like doing the worm. Like, like moon dances out of the door. So anyway, so what we got from that scene is that Burke was like, that was your landlord. And he's like still doing this thing with his like fingers. He's like still dancing along. He's like, that was your landlord. And his like eyes are half open. And he goes, he wants you to know that there's a minor flood in your apartment. Your other apartment? And he's just like, twist the knife. I dance with you. And like walks off. I, was, I also just like that line. There's a minor flood in your apartment. Your other apartment. And then he's just like, turn it off. Like, as fast as he turned it on, he turns it off. Yeah. And he's just like, back. I was not programmed to dance. Oh, wait. Yes, I was. Anyway. Then we cut over to the nursing home. Where, like, Alice is reliving some weird, like, times with the chief. (laughs) Some disturbing moments. (laughs) Like, and that's what she, she, and she's just like, I was going at it all night in the on-call room. What's your excuse? And you're like, ugh. And it's like, also, who does Ellis think she's talking to? Because there's no evidence that she actually has friends. You know what I mean? So like, Adele. <laughs> ew. No. Her and Adele And Meredith besties. is like, mom. And then Ellis says this line. I tell you, that man makes me purr like a kitten. Barf. And I wanted to physically vomit. When he isn't making me growl like a tiger. And you're like, oh. And Meredith is like, stop. And so did everyone sitting at home watching this. Ugh. And then she says, and my husband wonders why I'm not interested in him anymore. Ellis Gray Low-key is savage. Low-key the monster of all monsters. Meredith is like, damn, Ellis, you put me to shame. And I'm Meredith. Oh, yeah. I mean, Ellis is like a low-key asshole. I mean, she's a terrible wife, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And then she's just like, goes on to like, be like, if he had any balls at all, he would leave on his own. No, he plays stupid. And I'm like, Ellis, you're blaming your husband for not leaving you when you're the one that's cheating on him? Yeah. It's such an interesting, like, concept. But how much do we just get from that one scene? Like, we just got so much about their relationship from that one scene. And I've always loved the concept of, like, 
history repeating itself like it, it's bound to repeat itself yeah meredith gray moves into the same old house again and it's almost like fate that ellis's history repeats mm-hmm. itself oh yeah mm-hmm. it's super interesting but like and the question i kind of have is this it's like who is thatcher in like the now generation because you have like obviously like mm-hmm. ellis is meredith the chief is Derek, and adele is addison but then like who would thatcher be like who would mark's character be well thatcher is anybody that meredith dates that's not Derek. gotcha or what like is the point of this just that meredith is starting down the line of kind of how ellis was and like kind of almost becoming ellis and that's not what she wants to be i feel like i can tell you what the point is but i might have to cut it out because it will spoil gotcha okay So, let's talk, though. Ellis is reliving when she was a resident, having an actual affair with the chief. Mm -hmm. Like, when Ellis was Meredith's age, she was having an affair with the chief. The chief is having an emotional affair right now with Ellis. Yes. Meredith is a resident. Current. They say resident. Like, it's residency. Oh, okay. So, it like, the chief will call Meredith a resident in, like, season two. Meredith is currently a... She's in her residency. Yeah, she's in her residency and having an actual affair with Derek, like she did. Yeah. You know? And now Derek is having an emotional affair with Meredith. I'm just, like, in love with this. It's cool. Like, history repeating itself and parallels. Well, it's also interesting because I feel like they're giving you a thing of, like, this is how the Ellis and the Chief turned out, and so it's, like, are Meredith and Derek doomed to become like that, or is mm-hmm. something else going to change? So, you asked who was Mark. Yes. The problem with that is that... Adele uh, didn't cheat. Yeah. There wasn't double cheating. Yeah. In, in the, and so that's just what makes this a little bit different. Yeah. I feel because, like Mark... Because there also really wasn't, like, a Thatcher, because Meredith didn't cheat on anyone, whereas Ellis was cheating on Thatcher. Yeah, I mean, it's not like... It's not perfect, it's not perfect. Although, I will tell you, it's no mistake that George has been compared to Thatcher. Yeah. No mistake at all. Because anyone who Meredith dates that's not Derek it's is... Like the metaphorical Thatcher. Yeah, metaphorically Thatcher Gray. Yeah. So we cut over to a new locker room. <laughs> it's not a new locker room. Just new lockers? They all have new lockers. They change every day. What the hell? And they're all personalized again, but they're all new. What? Do people just bring in their personal stuff to personalize their locker for one day? Mm-hmm. And Apparently. Then to another locker. In this hospital, they do. This bothers me. Mm-hmm. And you know, Christina's complaining. And Meredith is having none of it. She's just like, you know what? This is more about me. Okay. Meredith looks like she's ready to piss gasoline on a pile of matches. That's where she's at right now. She's just like, my mommy's a filthy whore. And everyone looks at her when she says that, like, what the hell? And No, but the best part is everyone looks at her and they're like, eh. And then look away. Like, they have, like, almost no reaction to that. They're just like, Meredith is probably sensationalizing again. I love this. I think Ellen does really well with deadpan sass. She does. And, okay, so let's talk about Izzy and Alex. Izzy goes, it was a one-time lapse in judgment, if only... How do you feel about these two in this episode? Like, is this scene 
doing something? Is it stirring something up inside of you? Is it working for you at all? Like, what's working? What's not working here? A little bit. Like, I like their chemistry together. Like, the kind of, like, the sass almost back and forth. Mm -hmm. It's interesting. But I feel like what their relationship is lacking and kind of what makes it almost lackluster to me is I feel like there's no substance to it. That's what I was going to say. You know what I mean? Because, like, right now it's purely, like, sex. (laughs) It's all lust and no love. Exactly. And it's, like, and so it's interesting. You're, like, you're kind of, like, like, I like their kind of back and forth, but I'm also, like, but they had that when they were friends, too. Mm Mm-hmm. It just seems to be, like, like, you're right. It just seems to be very, like, superficial. Like, yes. Because it's all, like, you have dirty in your eyes. And it's, like, okay. Okay, but, yeah, there's nothing. There's you know, like, like, you don't have the, like, all the, like, the back and forth, like, meaningful, like, subtext that, like, Meredith and Derek have. Where they're, like, talking about something but not really talking about something. Mm-hmm. Or even, like, the funny kind of moments with, like, Burke and Christina. Like, it's just kind of, like... Well, yeah, I mean, I think Katherine Heigl and um, Justin Chambers as actors have good chemistry and back and forth with each other, which again, I mean, it's impossible not to when mm. Katherine Heigl's in that equation. I just I just wonder if like huge like Izzy Alex shippers go back to this episode because it's like one of the few episodes from early Grays where like it's like a really good Izzy Alex like episode. Because, I mean, they're, like, happy and, like, flirting with each other in the beginning. And they're pretty happy at the end, too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I just wonder. Because, like, I'm not a huge is the Alex shipper. Like, I'll go back to specific episodes to watch specific couples. But n- not them. I feel like a lot of my problems with Izzy and Alex is what happens later in the show. Yeah, so we can't really talk about it um, yet. But, like, just in this general, like, I think it's cute and it's kind of, like, fun. But, again, mm-hmm. it's not... It's just superficial. Yeah, it's not the, like, I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't have the depth or anything. Like, you're kind of like, oh, like, no, they're flirting. Or, like, they're sassing. But it's like, okay, get back to Meredith and Derek. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. It doesn't hold substance for me. And that, I think, is what's wrong with, not what's wrong, or, like, what I don't enjoy about it right now. Mm-hmm. Or why it's not as high-ranking as a relationship for me as others. And then, you know, Izzy and George are walking down the hallway, and George asks, how would you say I look today? Horrible. Would you say I looked nice? <laughs> no. And it's like, honestly, no. Because, like, your hair is still unwashed, and, like, kind of- Still needs a haircut. He kind of looks grungy, yeah. And, like, you're wearing scrubs, which is, like, I mean, it's not your fault, but, it, I mean, you can't really, like, fancy up scrubs. But it's also, like, his hair- Still looks like, like, it almost looks like a bird's nest or something. It kind of like looks... Like a rat tried to, like, nest in it overnight. It's, and then he was just like, this is a cool look. It's not so much that. It's just, like, he kind of looks like um one of the hobbits from, like, <laughs> Lord of the Rings. You know what I mean? Like, that kind of hair. Native American circle drawings in the background, by the way. And Izzy's just like, can you just talk to her? You know? Like, she's just like, you know, that would be easier. Anyway, we get introduced to Bailey's baby... Meredith says her famous line where someone asks her if she's okay and she says, I'm fine, which she always does. Mm-hmm. I also feel like just in this particular situation, she's probably like sick of people asking. Everyone has probably been talking about her or asking her like, hey, you're the girl that almost blew up. How are you? 
Did she, you get all the Dylan chunks out of your hair? <laughs> yeah. Like, ew. Like, go away. <laughs> like, that would be my thing. I'd be like, shut up. Also, like, how much time do you think has passed in between this episode and 17? Probably um, not long. Like, maybe a week at most. Or whatever. You know, but I feel like it's still, like, the amount of time where she's kind of like, it happened. I'm over it. Like, stop asking me. Mm-hmm. You know? All right, so let's cut over to our first patient. And on a scale of 1 to 10, could I ask how bad it would be if we called this guy Mufasa? I don't even know how to answer that. Mufasa? Leo? Can we call him Leo? Uh, Sure. Yes. Call him whatever you want. Okay, so Leo is his new name. Anyway, so Mrs. Burton says, you know, he's not a complainer, but he is the king of the jungle. And, you know, he's just like, you could pretend I'm a lion, it helps. Yeah, basically, he's got a messed up face, and we can move on. Because mm-hmm. now we get... Mark! Yes. Are we doing this dialogue? Oh, hell yes. Do you have a... No, I don't care. Why don't you be Mark? Invasive non-cell with a history of COPD. <laughs> that guy's pretty much a goner, huh? Sensitivity. I like that in a stranger. Are you new here? Visiting. Confounded by all the rain, and it's only my first day in town. You get used to it. Makes me want to stay in bed all day. We just met, and already you're talking about bed. Not very subtle. Subtle has never been my strong suit. So, do you ever go out with co-workers? I, um, make it a rule not to. Then I am so glad I don't work here. Are you hitting on me? In a hospital? Would that be wrong? Meredith. <laughs> and then Derek punches the shit out of <laughs> Yeah, that, that was Derek coming in. My precious. And you know what? Like, okay, so there's some amazing blocking in this scene. Because, like, when Derek punches Mark, you see his fist come over. Then you see Addison yes. right behind him. Yeah. Like, it was so, Interesting. so great. And then, like, George watching from, you know, behind the blinds and Derek punches yeah it's just like so well done how they how they worked in three other characters during that really short scene but yeah it's mark and meredith's like what the hell was that and he goes that was mark and you know sometimes i wonder why george even likes meredith you know what i mean it's just like one of those cases i guess like if if that kind of flirting works on her like yeah it's interesting Because that's so not who George is. Yeah, I know. But, like, also, I'm like, but I would like George so much better. Like, if someone said, like, all that stuff that Mark just said, I'd be like, ew, go away. Yeah, exactly. But I feel like Meredith is in a very low point in her life. Maybe making her vulnerable. Who knows? For a split second, when I first watched this, I literally thought Derek punched somebody out just for talking to Meredith. (laughs) And, like, flirting with Meredith. And I was like, oh, my God. And then it was, like, Mark. And I was like, oh. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, though, because, like, I won't say too much, but this is a theme of Grey's Anatomy, or like a pattern of Grey's Anatomy. Every time they have these really, really heavy, serious, multi-part episodes, the one that follows it often introduces a new character and Mm -hmm. brings a ton of comic relief. Mm -hmm. Well, and I mean, honestly, like, how do you top a serious episode? I feel like you kind of have to go in a different direction do mm-hmm. some comedy, but then make it interesting by adding... Because it's usually a character, like, from someone's past or something, like, mm-hmm. that adds a little bit of that kind of development. 
yeah. to the story. And so it's like, I don't know. I think it's a good... I think it's a good move to try to get some comedy going. Because it's like, you're not going to be able to outdo this multi-part episode that was like super serious. And so it's like, you kind of have to go in that different direction. Well, and it's like, why would you want to add more drama after all that? Like, you want a break. Yeah. Where it's like, you kind of do add more drama. Like, obviously, like, Mark is going to add drama. It's comedic drama. Into this, but it's different. Yeah, it's like, more like funny. Like, because obviously, like, him and Derek are going to be like competing this whole episode. Mm-hmm. And it's funny. Anyway. So they're in the, you know, the conference room. And Derek's hair is, I mean, like, there's just, like, a whole chunk of it that's, like, fallen out. It's, like, tendrils of gel. It's kind of disgusting. But, uh, you know, side note, if a man that looked like that ever was interested in me, I don't care what his hair looks like. I'd be like, yep, look at your face. It's beautiful. Oh, this is interesting. Because the chief is like, did you put your weight behind it? And Derek's like, yes, sir. And then he goes, well, all right then. And that kind of reminded me of when he was like, Adele's sister's in town. I hate that woman. Like, the way he said it was yes. very similar to yeah. that. But the thing that, like, the the funniest thing throughout this whole episode is the chief has been the Mark before. And the chief constantly will be looking down on Mark this whole episode and treating Derek like he's this super stand-up guy who's, like, a really good guy. But the chief cheated on his wife for years. Yeah. And the only reason he thinks Derek is like this great guy is because he is Derek. Yeah, which is like the newer, the older generation, which is super interesting. Because like until I, you mentioned that, I completely forgot that the like that, that the chief was like that whole thing. I was just kind of like, oh yeah, the chief's doing that. Because like if you really thought about this and you went into like the situation of like someone punching out the person that their like significant other cheated on, then it would be Adele punching out Alice. <laughs> And can we just start Thatcher punching out the chief? Yeah. I mean, like, like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I just like the image of Adele, like, waddling up and, like, punching out Alice. Just being like, <laughs> oh my god, her running up and, like, tackling Alice. <laughs> like, body slamming her. In, like, the nursing home. Oh my god. Clothes lining her. And Alice is like, what are you doing? I have a surgery in 30 minutes. Alice is like, who are you? <laughs> anyway. And then we get this next scene where Meredith is stitching Mark up. And who decided that Meredith treating this man was a good idea? It's almost like Mark planned it. You know what I mean? Like, Mark got exactly what he wanted in this situation. He's like, Meredith, come stitch up my face. Except not because I'm going to stitch it up because I'm better. I'm better than you. I'm Mark Sloan. And then Mark says, Derek and I always did have the same taste in women. And I'm like, "Mm, gross. Interesting. But that's where we start getting the, like, competitive nature of their relationship and how Mark kind of always in a way wanted to be Derek. And so I feel like you get the like competitive of like Mark wants what Derek has. And that will seriously stay a theme as long as these two are in the show. Mm -hmm. Like Mark has always wanted to be Derek and always like looked up to him, but at the same time was like, had a, I want to be better. Yeah. Like wanted to be him. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like this weird, like friendship that they have going on. Mark goes, you're Derek's lusty intern, right? Heard about you all the way back in New York. You're famous. I I need to know more. Like, how did that work? Well, it was probably like... Was it Addison? Because it's not Derek. Because Addison probably found out and then told all of her friends. that like A good know. point. How did Addison find out? Didn't the chief call her? Well, I mean, the chief called her and brought her out. 
But, like, did the chief be like, oh, by the way... No, because the chief didn't know until Addison was already coming. Yeah. So did she just... Find out? And then, like, tell a friend or something, and then it spread all over New York? Because you like, know it's Sav not there. Or something? And, like, what her? if Sav and Weiss were like... Oh, uh, you know what? I bet she did tell Sav. I bet that's what it is. Like, she like told... she, like, called her friend and was like... I got the impression that when she walked up to them, she knew about it already. Yeah, and I'm wondering how. How? Like, was she watching them all day or something? That would be creepy. That would be kind of an Addison thing to do, though. How was this spreading through the grapevine in New York? See, I bet it was something, like, Addison found out and, like, told a friend or something, and then it, like, spread like that. Yeah. Or, like, when Weiss and Sav were in the hospital. Yeah. Like, you can, I can totally see, like, them, them finding out. And then telling everyone. Or, like, Adele. It was totally Weiss and Sav who spread it all over New York, though. Let's Those sons it. of bitches. They... Gossipers. Yeah. God. Is it Derek? Is it really? It's like, shut up, Weiss. And then Meredith goes, well, I heard about you all the way here in Seattle, so I guess we have a lot in common. We're the dirty mistresses. I suppose we are. Just the way that they... They actually do have a lot in common. And then when... They also have a lot of chemistry. Like, the two yeah. actors do a really good... Like, this scene, I love... Like, you're slightly like, oh, the Dirty Mistresses Club. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. And then Mark <laughs> is just like, my shrink says that behind this rugged and confident exterior, I'm self-destructive and self-loathing to an almost pathological degree. And in my head, I was like, wow, they do have a lot in common. And then Meredith said, hey, we do have a lot in common. <laughs> Also, like, he said that, and I was like, I could have told you that. Give me the $400 that you paid your shrink. You've been on the show for five minutes, and I could have told you. I feel like Mark is a huge Meredith and Derek shipper, because, like, but not for the right reasons. Like, he just wants Derek to leave Addison so he can have Addison. Yeah. And so he's just like, yeah, Derek, isn't she so hot? Like, I feel like that's... Now that Mark knows that Meredith is, like, Derek's intern, I feel like he's almost, like... Trying to manipulate the situation. So he goes, you know, it's funny. Derek Derek walks in on me naked with his wife, actually in the throes, and he just turns around and walks away. But he sees me so much as talking to you, and I'm on the ground bleeding. Interesting, don't you think? And it's like, you can totally tell that he's trying to manipulate the situation. But I love that line. Mm-hmm. I've always loved that line. Because I... It's so true. Because, no, but you wonder, like, maybe that was just Derek, like, pissed off and he, like... Like, maybe him turning and walking around is almost worse. My thing is, like, did Derek want a reason to leave? Like, was he just waiting mm-hmm. for a reason? Well, and half of me also wonders, did he just punch Mark because he's talking to Meredith? Or was... That was also, it like delayed rage? Well, that was the thing. Is like, was this also the first? Because this was like probably the first time that he's seen Mark mm-hmm. since, since that moment. Yeah. And so, is it a little bit of also like delayed rage, like he said? See, that's that's why I like it. It's so ambiguous. It's like, it did he do it for mm-hmm. this reason? But then Mark says this, and you're like, but that's true. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And then George, why is he suturing his own face, Christina, to turn me on? <laughs> and then we have them trying to figure out. His nickname. Meredith comes up with McSexy first, which is too on the nose, Meredith. You're better than this. Mm-hmm. And then Izzy... Is, this is That's so Izzy. Mickey Yummy, of course. Like, Izzy's just like, Mickey Yummy muffins. And then Meredith... McSteamy. Comes up with McSteamy. And by the way, I want you all 
to flash back to Season 2, Episode 6, where Tyler calls Derek McSteamy, and you know that somewhere in Meredith's little monstrous brain, she cataloged that and brought it back for this and then took the credit. So really, Tyler came up with that name. Tyler just, like, pops out of the corner and just goes, Mmm, McSteamy. And he's just like, that's my line. How dare you steal my line? And then, oh, please, is like, oh, please. And then I love this, because they're like, oh, there it is. And then George, uh, just, uh, choking back some McVomit. Classic. Izzy looks like she's about to eat him. And then George says this kind of misogynistic line, where he's like, I saw her first. The Met, get over it. The night she met Shepard, I had her ear. We talked. And I can't even remember what I said. And I was like, spoiler alert, George, neither does Meredith. Because no one cares. But, like, the way he was just like, I saw her first. Like, what is she? Like, a piece of, like, meat yeah. that you can call? Well, it's like, he's like, I'm basically saying, like, I called dibs on her or something. And it's like, no one cares, George. It's like, maybe the girl should decide who she wants to be with. Like, Ugh, I didn't like that line. I saw you her first. You told her how you feel because she also doesn't get that. And Izzy is just kind of like, no one cares. Izzy's just like, I'm going to talk about me and my beast. And that's the name of her, I guess, sex drive. Izzy is a nymphomaniac. She's insane. We've said it once and we will continue to say it again. Izzy's nymphomaniac, you know, tendencies are probably what gets her in the most trouble throughout the entire run of this show. Think about it for one second. She's just hungry all the time. So is the beast. And then this... And wants to be fed. And the food that Alex gave it was good. It was good food, George. And you're like, ew. I didn't need to hear that. Like, <laughs> that was a weird way to put that. Yeah, what a weird way to say that. And then George, oh my god, something needs to be done about your taste. So true. So true. <laughs> oh, this is so good. And then he's just like, my beast never sleeps. And I'm like, really, George? Let's talk about Sifners. <laughs> Do you remember Olivia? Who gave you syphilis? Yeah. Because your dating life is going so well right now, George. Yeah, exactly. So then we have this other patient, Chuck. And he's basically, he wants to film videos, say goodbye to people. But they're actually just kind of like hate mail. Like, he's just kind of like, I hate you. I kind of want to do this now. Be like, you son of a bitch. But like, let's just take a moment to think about some of the people that the interns would say goodbye to. (laughs) Okay. Meredith would, would probably just be like, I'm sorry to the world that I'm dying because that means that you will not be able to continue to spin without me walking on this earth. Christina's just like, nah, I told everyone I was honest anyway. I don't yeah, and so is Alex, to be honest. Yeah. Izzy would probably try to make like heartfelt videos. She'd be like, you were such a good friend to me. Mm-hmm. Same with George. They'd try to be like heartfelt and be like... George would stutter quite a bit, but it would be like heartfelt. And then Burke would just be like whimpering and be like, goodbye, mama. I love you with all my synapses. He's such a mama's boy. He so is. And we really get to see that later on. So just wait. So anyway, like, Meredith is holding the camera. This 2000s just brick of a camera. Camera. I mean, like, wow. It's like almost the size of her face. And at the end, he goes, love Chuck. Like, he said it just like that. Yes. And her face, when she says that, it's just like... I swear to God, Ellen Pompeo's face is a gift machine. Like, I made, like, so many gifts out of the facial gymnastics she does in this episode. I mean, she, like, she's a gift machine. And she, like, the best part is she kind of almost looks to the side, like, is anyone else here to, like, witness this? Yeah, she's like, are they going to call cut yet? That's kind of what her face was. So this is another quote from 
Krista Vernoff in the Grey Matter blog. Do you want to read this one? The episode was titled Yesterday, even though the theme was growing up, because at one point the theme was the past, but things changed quickly around here, and when we changed the theme, we never got around to changing the title. The cancer man who is still bearing grudges from childhood and the beautiful and funny lionitis kid who never gets a chance to grow up and the orgasm lady who feels like a freak the way most of us do as teenagers and all of our characters who in this episode seem trapped in a prolonged state of adolescence. Interesting, right? Like George is like, I can't tell my crush that I have a thing for her. Like Izzy and Alex's relationship is kind of like childish, you know, like Derek punched somebody, you Mm -hmm. know? Instead of, like, talking like an adult. Yeah. It is kind of interesting. Yeah. I I find it fascinating how they change the theme. I wonder how often that happens on this show. Maybe it's a coincidence that this wasn't the best episode. Because I do feel like it struggles with multiple themes. Yeah. It doesn't have, like, that... It's not like a season one, episode eight, where it's just completely, like, tight. Yeah. But I wonder if... Well, and even, like, some of the characters, like, to be honest, like, the orgasm lady, I didn't really understand how she fit in to, like, this overall theme. Of, like, childhood? I don't know. Like, maybe when you're going through, like, puberty, you're learning about your body. I don't know. You know? But, like, it's still, like, it wasn't... It wasn't, like, super tight. I agree. Anyway. Um, so then we learned that Alex is interested in plastic surgery. So which, moving of on. Of course. Yeah. Which is ironic because if you actually watch through the whole course of this show, or at least, you know, through like most of the seasons, most of the people that go into plastics are Jerks. superficial people. People that are superficially attractive, you know, like that kind of thing. And kind of douches. Like just like pretty boys, yeah. you know? So then we meet Pamela, orgasm lady. There's this little part where Izzy, George, and Addison are, like, talking about her. But they're, like, screaming. And they're, like, right next to her, too. I know. And then they, like, go over and she's like, hi, I'm Dr. Montgomery. And it's like, you were right there next to her. Yeah, she's, like, they're literally five feet away from her while they're talking about her. And, like, the actress that's playing Pamela is just pretending she can't hear them. Because they're five feet from (laughs) her. They're, like, right there. (laughs) And then she goes, I'm a junior at UW. No, you're not. That woman was, like, 31 years old. Yeah, because if she was a junior, she'd be like, what, 20, 21? Yeah. Somewhere in there? She, no. No. This woman's way older than that. Hey. Theory? Mm, possibly. Like, maybe, like, she remembered this fact, like, like, she's a junior at UW, and it's like, she's not, or something. Or, like, that could have been describing a different person. Than okay. She, like, that, that, yes, that could fit in a theory. Like, she had the wrong description about a character, like, a patient. I feel like it would have worked better if it was actually Meredith's patient, but yeah. Well, yeah. Anyway. I tried. I tried to give you guys some theory. The, the, the thing with the theory is that, you know, it's not very strong with the early episodes because Meredith's brain has not gone yet. If you're going at it realistically, like, this would be the beginning stages of her, like, Alzheimer's, Alzheimer's and so she would still remember pretty well, so there'd be, like, minor mm-hmm. things that were wrong. But then, like, as her story continues, as she continues telling these stories to her children, it would get worse and worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, so we cut back to Chuck, where Chuck, honestly, like, surprisingly, Meredith hasn't murdered him yet. This is probably the longest period of time she's ever listened to someone else's problems. Oh, Yeah. 
but she's also like holding the camera like she just doesn't she's like holding it with one hand and her like head is like off to the side and her eyes are like half closed like she looks so bored she's you get the idea that she's kind of like i'm only here because i have nothing better to do and i'm being paid yeah Yeah. and then she like starts yelling back at him and she's like oh oops i forgot we were recording and it's like how and he's just like i hate you but i do like what chuck says here i am saying goodbye None of these people, not one of them, knows how I really feel. My whole life, I've kept it all inside. I I don't want to carry this with me to my grave. And that's a good message. But it also brings a question. Is being honest better than being nice? It depends. You know? It's like it's an interesting, like, I don't know, like, psycho- psychological... But it's not just about being honest versus being nice. It's like, if this is being related to George, it's like, sometimes you have to say it. You know what I mean? Like, you have to say it. It's yeah. not like George is being mean when he says, I love you, Meredith. It's mm-hmm. just that he has to get it out. Mm-hmm. In his in Chuck's case, though, a lot of it was being, mean, being yeah. honest or being nice. I think for him, he would rather be honest. I think that's going to leave him with more peace if he dies, you know? The words that you regret most are the ones that you never said. We get this really weird scene with the chief and Meredith. Mm-hmm. Where she's basically like trying to ask him something. And he's pretending that he doesn't know. And he's like deflecting, but like not well. And like, you know, Meredith is like, can I ask you something not work related? And you know in his head, he's like, oh, the day has come. Adele, load my shotgun. The gray is asking questions. The gray girl is asking questions. And she's just like, do you remember my father? And the chief is like, of course. Do you know why he left? Uh, Nope, no idea. Mm -hmm. I believe your mother asked him to. Which, ruthless. She's just like, um, Thatcher, you didn't notice any of the hickeys all over me, so you need to leave. (laughs) All the major hints that I dropped for you, so get out. Yeah. (laughs) Right, but do you know why? No. No, I'm sorry, I don't. And it's like, Dude, Meredith, like, like this is the conversation. Meredith says, I know. And the chief goes, I know you know. And then the, Meredith goes, I know, you know, I know. And then the chief is like, okay, bye. It's so funny. Like, that's the whole scene oh, that yeah. just happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so then we get this interesting part where basically Mark intrudes on Derek's patient and is like, I can help him. And Derek's just like... Yeah, Leo's like, he can fix my face. And Mark... And Derek shared this look that could probably only be described as my asshole is so tight right now. I could literally shit diamonds. Oh, God. You've heard of blood diamonds. Now we're going to have poop diamonds. (laughs) Oh, my God. They look so pissed. So then we cut over and Night Rocker by the Chalets? Chalets. Chalets is playing. This is quite possibly... Okay, see, okay, this is a great example of how Grey's Anatomy takes something that is very dramatic, but makes it comedy. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. Because, like, and again, it's not about Derek and Mark's fighting. And that's what these writers were aware of. It's about the interns. You always want to focus on the interns. It's Mm -hmm. how is this scene being interpreted through the interns? Mm -hmm. And, like, how is this going to affect them? Yes. I always say that one of the biggest mistakes that Grey's Anatomy makes is when they stop focusing... Or when they start having too many scenes that either don't include one of the five interns in the scene itself, or isn't about slash will directly affect one of the five interns. Mm -hmm. 
Like, when we start having scenes with two characters that don't have anything to do with one of the five interns, what's the point of that scene? Mm-hmm. I feel like most of the scenes can pass the test here. Well, we just had it really our first one in 16 between Hannah and Dr. Milton. Yeah, that's like the first one. Yeah, but that was still so about, like, yeah. it had to be happening kind of thing. But anyway. Anyway, so they're, like, Alex and Christina standing out trying to list, like, read lips is quite possibly just, the best thing that could have happened. Did you just happened. call him a crack whore? And then Alex says this, you call him that. I didn't know that was the line. Does Christina call Derek a crack whore? Because if... She does. I am dead, and I will forever love Christina. Did he just call him a crack whore? No, you call him that. That blows my mind. Oh, God. And then, and then Christina, Shepard's gesturing. Big gesturing. And I'm like, I feel like this is how we analyze the show. We're just like, big gestures. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this scene of Christina and Alex trying to figure out what's happening in the chief's office is me and Emily trying to figure out what happens. What does this music imply? <laughs> yeah. What do the lyrics of this music imply? Are these tambourines or conga drums? That could mean something. <laughs> it's a clue. Side note, if you had to say right now, who is more attractive, Mark or Derek, physically? Derek. I would have to agree. And you know what? Time is on Derek's side because he ages far better than Eric oh, yeah. Dane. This is Eric Dane will never look this good again in the show. I don't know what happened to him, but he did not age well. Patrick Dempsey aged pretty well, I will say. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and then George comes up and he's like, "Yo, oh, you know, just a woman down in the uh, ER having spontaneous orgasms." And then they all start sprinting, and I'm like, "These are the scenes that I miss. Like, they're so, so funny, cute. so funny." Yeah. So then we actually go into the office to hear them arguing, and it really doesn't matter. I have one question, though. Is Derek against the surgery just because Mark's the one performing it, or does he actually give a shit about this patient? Well, if it put the patient in danger, but he never brings that up, so I think it's just that Mark's You know what I mean, though? Because, like, he's literally just being, like, out of friendship. Like, they're talking about, like, that friendship and stuff, and so I'm, like, and the money that it's going to bring the hospital Mm -hmm. and all this stuff, and so it's, like, is Derek really, like, that shitty that he'll bring his own life ahead of, like, the good of a patient or something, but... Because he never says anything about the medical stuff until later. The risks. Well, I'm sure he's thinking about it then. I mean, I don't know. It could go either way, to be honest. Mm-hmm. It could. But So, Just One Breath by the Divix starts playing. And how did Addison get all the way up here? Like, okay, the scene before this, she's in the ER mm-hmm. with Pamela. And then the next scene, she's like on the second floor near the chief's... She transports. Yeah, seriously. She's like the transporting nurse. Teleporting nurse. She's Well, she's also like our supreme ruler, so she can do whatever That's the hell she wants. She can probably like, you know, apparate or something. Yeah. She's like, fuck this ER. I'm going up to the second floor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I gotta go check on my love triangle. They're on Derek's Bridge of Man Pain, which, welcome back, Man Pain Bridge. It's been a while, right? It has. When's the last time we saw it? Was it in 215? I don't think it was. I don't if it was, we didn't talk about it. We haven't talked about it in a while. Yeah. Well, I mean, it wasn't in 16 or 17. Well, because he's been complaining in a shit trailer a lot. So. Yeah, he's just been in that piece of <laughs> shit dump. Uh, you know, Mark is a natural at being 
a doctor at Seattle Grace because he is loudly discussing personal details of his life in front of everyone mm-hmm. in the middle of Derek's man pain bridge. I mean, you just know that there are normal doctors and nurses in this hospital probably like witnessing all these interactions just being like, oh my God, they're at it again. Like, like where the hell do I work? Like, you know how like there's like a ton of shots of like them like looking off into the distance with like this serious like intense look in their eyes and like all the other doctors and nurses are probably like working like double time to pick up their slack all the surgeries that derek didn't do while he was like stalking meredith in Mm -hmm. season one and like the other neurosurgeon is just like what the hell is he in here i do all of his surgeries (laughs) anyway how do you like addison's little like what the fuck is she wearing the scarf it's i thought that was her top I thought it was a scarf. Oh, maybe it is a tur top. I can't tell. It kind of looks like like if like an Easter bunny like. It does. It looks very Easter esque. Yeah, it looks like if like an Easter bunny just like shit the like the Easter <laughs> rainbow. Because it kind of looks like she had a top and then was like, "Look, I have this scarf that's in the exact same pattern. I'm just gonna sew it onto my shirt." That's what it looks like. That's kind of what it looks like. And we also get very something very interesting because Mark says. That he lost, you know, his best friend, which we're like, we know. And the woman I loved. And you're like, interesting. And then we get the, like, that Addison stayed with Mark mm-hmm. after Derek left. And so it's super interesting. So, like, do we think she loved him, too? Like, that this was actually, like, you know, like, how Derek fell in love with Meredith. Did Addison fall in love with Mark? Mm-hmm. Interesting. That is. That really does complicate things more. It does. It makes it juicy. Yeah. Because that would even make Mark and Meredith have more in common, to be honest. Yeah. All we've heard from Addison is that, like, you know, we got lazy, we got busy, and we got lazy, and we didn't even fight anymore. You know, and she was like, I scratched an itch or something like that is what she said. Yeah. But it, it does seem more than that. And Krista Vernoff says, yes, Addison is keeping a secret from Derek about the actual dynamics of her affair with Mark. Let's, every instance that Addison has talked about it or Derek has talked about it, it makes that seem like that was like a A one-time thing that she kind of like, like a lapse in judgment, Mm -hmm. like what Izzy said earlier. But now we're kind of getting the hints of like, it wasn't like a lapse in judgment. Like he loved her, which is like. And then Addison, she goes, I'm in love with my husband, Mark. And then he counters quickly with, but he's not in love with you. He's in love with that intern and he's not even trying to hide it. Why would you want to stick around for that? Which, like, thank you, Mark, for finally saying it. Yes. Yes. Because this has been going on for so many episodes where we're like, he is clearly still in love with Meredith, and Addison is either super oblivious and dumb and doesn't notice. But she's not. Or she's just, she's just like, painfully, like, trying to make this work. Yeah. And that's what I think it is. Mm-hmm. I think she needed somebody like Mark to say it out loud. But Mark has been here for what? Like a few minutes. hours in this hospital? And that's he, it? And he's already like he, psychoanalyzed he, the whole situation? He knows everything. Yeah. I mean, he like comes down and he's just like, so George, how's your loving Meredith guy? Like, you just, like yeah. he just like knows everything. Walks in the chief's office. Just, so how's Alice? What if you just... <laughs> Oh my god. What if you just walked up to Burke and he was like, so it kind of sucks that she still has the apartment. <laughs> and then Burke is like, who are you? <gasps> that would be amazing. So Christina, when are you going to get rid of the apartment? Yeah. And, and she's just like, like, what? How do you know my name? <laughs> oh my god, that would have been amazing. So Christina, I hear you're into cardio. <laughs> what? 
He, like, knows everything. Yeah, he just knows everything. He's just like, so how was that four-time lapse in judgment, Izzy and Alex? (laughs) So now we get a lunch scene. I love their lunch scenes. They're talking about Pamela. And George is trying to flirt, but no one in their right mind is. I don't even think he is listening to himself. He's just like, you look really nice today. And then Christina... And the chair is like, oh, good God. Yeah, seriously. The chair is like, please collapse. <laughs> the chair just like collapses on him. Like, really? I'm helping you out, dude. And then Christina goes, any chance they're contagious? Uh, you know, like you see someone throw up and makes you want to throw up too. Kind of like that. And Izzy goes, kind of like. And honestly, I love this little this little moment where Alex just kind of looks at her and like his, his eyes are kind of shining here. They're yeah. So- and he's laughing and then Izzy laughs and smiles at him. That's... The two of them have great chemistry together. Right. And, and I like that's that. That's what almost tricks you because you're like, whoa, like Katherine Heigl and Justin Chambers as actors have amazing chemistry. Mm-hmm. And this little one, I'm like, that's really cute. And it starts making me, but it's still, I'm like, there's no depth to their relationship. Yeah, there's no, just, there's more depth in the Alex Meredith relationship than there yes. is in the Izzy Alex relationship. Yeah. Which is interesting. It's an interesting point. Oh, and then Christina, the beast. <laughs> I just how he calls her. A crack she goes whore. the beast. Is that some sly reference to your penis? The way she said that, get your mind out of the gutter, <laughs> crack whore. That was so good. And Christina's just like, ooh, good one, got me. <laughs> I'm gonna go call call my crack whore, Derek. <laughs> and just like we're ignoring George's lines in this in this scene. All the characters did, too. Until he says something like this. It's, you know, when you haven't had sex in a long time, and you both forget how good it is. And you forget how good it is, so you want it less. And Christine and Meredith are like, wait, now what? They're like, does not compute. Because they're also nymphomaniacs. I think all the, like, the three main women are just, like, sex. All the time. (laughs) Like, like how zombies want brains. They're crazy. Like, and then Meredith is like, me neither. And then George goes, me neither. Like that. And I'm like, Ew. George. He's trying way too hard with this. I know. I feel so bad for him. Cut over to this scene where this poor CT guy has to listen to George complain about Meredith. And he goes, I grew my hair out for her. And you're like, why? Yeah. First of all, <laughs> it looks bad strategy. It looks horrid. Go get it. <laughs> Seriously. Maybe she'll notice you if your hair looked better. <laughs> and then Izzy's like, I know. And I don't even think she noticed because she doesn't care, George. Because she doesn't care. Whatever. And, like, to be honest, I didn't really notice, except for the fact that it looked horrendous. And then Izzy, you could just try telling her how you feel. And it's like, do you think George has been talking to Izzy like this off screen the entire time? Because They're best friends. Because if he has, I don't know how Izzy... Like, Izzy is a saint for not, like, killing him. He was probably... They're, like, in the middle of, like, this bomb thing. And he's like, so Izzy, you think Meredith noticed me? And she's like, George, we're in a bomb threat. She just, like, slams his head into a locker. (laughs) And she's like, he's like, but but how do I look today, Izzy? Do I look good? It's like, well, Meredith might look like uh, Pink Mist in a few minutes, so... (laughs) She might be Meredith Chunks. And the CT tech is like, ugh, what? He, and why are you talking about a beast? What are you even talking about? Like, you know this guy should be paid overtime <laughs> just for having to listen to this. He's about to just, like, throw up his hands and be like, I quit. I'm done. Yeah, seriously. I can't. So then we cut over to Jake, and he says this line. Do you think I am more a Dolly or more of a Picasso? Which, on the surface, you're like, he's talking about, like, the paintings, and, you know, they're more of... 
don't and even Miller know what's drawing on his face. Yeah, and I don't know like what style of painting are, but he's like being like, oh, like you know, like, I'm a painting or like something yeah. like he's creating me like Marcus the artist or something yeah. or whatever. But then Emily did research and it's gonna blow your mind. I I did the research and it blew my freaking mind. So this is subtly genius. The double meaning of this line. Pablo Picasso and Salvador Dali were both famous influential artists like in the 1900s kind of era. Or it may have been the 1800s, but whatever. A long time ago. Picasso was about 20 years older than Dali and he was already super famous. So Dali and his wife loved his work and admired him a lot. Like sending him fan mail and stuff like that. And Dali aspired to be him. But this lifelong admiration of this man that was slightly older than him turned into like super competition and it was like Dolly was just like super competitive with him and anyway like he painted this this painting as a um assault on Picasso's reputation and there was just like all this you know and so when you think about it what this line is saying is Derek is Picasso Mark is Dolly because Derek we, I don't know if we know this, but Derek is, like, at least a few years older than Mark. He's, like, two mm-hmm. years older than Mark or something like that. And Mark has always looked up to Derek as an older brother type character, you know? Mm-hmm. And But he also really wants everything that Derek has. Yes. Everything. Oh, yeah. So, and you can tell that these two are super competitive with each other. Yeah. Well, and it's even in this scene, he's like, am I more of a dollar or a Picasso? Like... Am I going to go through with, am I going to listen to Derek or am I going to listen to Mark? Three levels. Like, yeah. Am I going to like, you know, get one surgery or get the other? And it's like genius. Whose side am I going to be on? I don't know if that was on purpose, but if it was. I hope it was. That is amazing. And if it wasn't, that is the happiest coincidence that has ever existed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyway, then Jake is pleading with his parents to get this surgery, blah, blah. So now we get finally... I think this is the first Meredith and Derek scene. Of this episode, yeah. Which I finally, the only. I mean, we left them on a huge note. Yeah. On 217. And so this is almost like the follow-up of that. And he, like, makes this joke. Are you giving up surgery to go into clerical work? And you're like, classic Derek joke. And you're like, how long has we been standing outside that office thinking of that joke? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's popping into other people's scenes. Meredith is like, I had this scene all to myself. And he was like, give me 20 minutes, I'll be back with a good joke. <laughs> And then she's like, I'm fulfilling my patient's dying wish to send hate mail to everyone he's ever met. Derek, you know, feeling sorry for himself. His hair is in a different zip code at this point. I mean, it's just amazing. Just wait until season three, though. Oh, my. Season three, it's ridiculous. Like, he he almost goes full Weiss in season three. His hair needs its own zip code in season three. I feel like his hair just... Just wait. Demands attention. We'll destroy it in season three. So Meredith goes... Why do people cheat? And Derek's like, that's a good question. And then here is another example of one of those shockingly honest conversations that Meredith and Derek have with each other. And you can just tell that Derek's not having these conversations with his wife. Mm -hmm. And you know what? This is almost why I like season two Meredith and Derek better than like when they're together. It's because like... They have these conversations. They have these like super like deep conversations with each other and you can tell that they're falling in love with each other on a like personal level like not on the like oh you're hot and you're hot and i like sex but like is he Alex? yeah but like on a like actual intellectual level they're mm-hmm. falling in love with each other and meredith goes why do you think she cheated on you were you different then 
Were you a bad husband? I was, uh, I was just a little absent. Not that that's an excuse for her. Do you think things would have been different if you'd had kids? Do I think she would have cheated? I don't know. And they just kind of, like, stare at each other, and, like, honestly, he's adorable. They're so cute. And then Mark just, like, comes up, like, hey, guys. Yeah, and then he's like, oh, sorry, did I interrupt something? Like, you know that he's just, like, for- like he wants to, like, take their heads and force their, like, lips together. That's where he's at at this point. Do you want me to leave again so you guys can, like, keep having your moment? Do you guys want to, like, you know, bang? That's pretty much it. Yeah. I think that's the only Meredith and Derek scene of this whole episode. Exactly. Probably another weak point of this episode. You know, where it's like we just came off of one of the best Meredith and Derek scenes of the show. But you get a lot of development with like the other parts of their triangle with like, oh, yeah, Addison and Mark and everything. Anyway, so then we get closer by Joshua Raiden. Mm-hmm. And then Izzy's just like, you know, why is it so bad to have spontaneous orgasms? I'm like, Izzy, have you thought about this for more than two seconds? Which no, because then Pamela is like. When you can't go to the movies or drive a car or go to church with your parents. And Izzy's like, oh, right. (laughs) She's just like, I forgot that people do other things besides think about sex. But I'm like... Which, like, I feel like was supposed to be this, like, huge moment. And it was just kind of like, no shit. (laughs) It's like, no duh, Izzy. Like, Pamela's like, um, you're a doctor. How exactly? Anyway. You know, like, I feel like that was supposed to be, like, the huge, like, moment of, like, this character story. And it was just kind of like, yeah, okay, whatever. Which is, yeah, anyway. This is so funny. Oh my god. Burke and Meredith in the OR, and Meredith is like, no, he wanted me to mail the tapes. I don't think it's a good idea. He was scared. He was in shock. He wasn't thinking clearly. And then Burke, like, rips into her. He's like, that's not for you to decide, Dr. Gray. He asked you for something. You told him you would do it. If you don't, that doesn't make you noble. That makes you a liar. And then, like, Meredith is like, um, okay. And then Burke goes... Did you know she kept her apartment? Yeah, I did. Sorry. And I just love the... Sorry. It's basically like, sorry, but I choose her over you. Which everyone kind of knew. Yeah, but it's just kind of funny to me. Yeah. But like... Which is interesting. So Burke is clearly on the honesty side of like Chuck and being like, he wants to be honest and... But like, I also, that's what he asked, and so, like, you need to do it. I also read this as, like, Meredith is kind of robbing this man of his is of what he needs to say, which is kind of what she's been doing to George the whole show. I didn't think about it She like hasn't that. been letting George speak, you yeah. know? And he needs to say it, mm-hmm. and so she's... So then we just find out Jake dies, which is ironic because they actually never got to the part of the surgery that Derek was like, this is the most dangerous part. Like, you don't want to do this. It was Derek's part that killed him. Derek's like, God damn it. Way to go, Derek. Anyway. And so Meredith and Chuck, would you like me to throw them away? And he goes, no, I'd like you to mail them. I've said my piece. Sometimes a man needs to say his piece. And it's like, yeah, Chuck. Yep. You came around for me, man. Chuck gets it. Good old Chuck. Chucky. Um, it's also super ironic that like earlier in the episode Mark was like when he was looking at the thing for Chuck and he was like pretty much a goner right and then Chuck survives and his patient dies (laughs) it's like in your freaking face Mark anyway it don't matter to the sun by Rosie Thomas starts playing and we get just this like scene where Meredith just like completely ignores George yeah because he's basically like I want to take you out Meredith let's go out together. And she's just like, shut up, George. I have other things to do. 
And Meredith is the kind of psychopath who tears a whole page out of a phone book. So nobody, like, what if somebody's, like, looking in that phone book for somebody that, why are all the GRs gone? (laughs) Where are all the GRs? And she's just like, suck it. I'm Meredith. (laughs) What a monster. Oh, gosh. So now we finally get to meet Thatcher Gray. Mm -hmm. he's been compared to george this whole show so that's one little aspect we kind of like knew about Mm -hmm. him ellis has talked about him quite negatively oh yeah um like the chief knew him because the chief was sleeping with ellis meredith barely ever talks about him so we really don't really have much to go on and we know now from the chief in this episode that ellis asked him to leave which is Mm -hmm. why he left yeah you know, it wasn't like he abandoned them or anything. He was basically told to shove off by Ellis. Mm-hmm. But he doesn't really, like, there's also that characterization of he doesn't really have much of a backbone. He kind of just does whatever yeah. he's told, you know? And so Meredith comes up to this house, and it looks like the suburbs, you know? Mm-hmm. And Ellen just kills this scene as well. She like, does. the tears in her eyes kind of bringing it back from 217. Mm-hmm. And Meredith, like... So Jeff Perry in this scene, that's the guy who plays Thatcher Gray. There's this like moment where he like walks up to the door and he's like, yeah, yeah, you know, everything, whatever, normal day. And then he like sees her and he's like, who's this girl? Basically. And like you, this is all just with his face, like great actor. Mm -hmm. And then like you see the realization dawn on him and you're like, Dang, that was so well acted. My God. Like, he didn't even have to say any words. They both did a good job in this scene. And Meredith is like, she had an affair. And that's what makes me wonder. Did Meredith just find, like, out for sure? Like, she's she's thought, you know, for a while. Like, did she think that Ellis had an affair before she came to the hospital? Did she know at all? I don't know. It's confusing. I feel like she would have to. I feel like she thought it. She's been thinking, but wasn't like one hundred percent sure until this moment, like when Thatcher's like, "Yes, she had an affair." Because this would be the first time she can ever like. Well, no, because then Ellis, Ellis, this morning in the nursing home was like, "He's not my husband." Yeah, whatever. But like, I would like to. I would like to think that she recently found out for sure that Ellis was cheating. Mm -hmm. Why didn't you stay and fight for us? And then Thatcher's like, I did. I I tried. Why didn't you try harder? You just left. Meredith, is there anything you need? Anything at all? And Meredith is just kind of like, no. I don't need anything from you. And just like walks away. Interesting first scene with Thatcher. I think the first thing that's really interesting is in this scene, you don't really see a lot of the negativity that Ellis talked about. Yeah. You know, like he seems like such a pretty friendly, kind person. Like I, I must ask if Meredith quote settled and married George, do you think they would end up like that eventually? I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. And based on what we know about him at this point is that like Ellis was constantly cheating on him with the chief and flaunting it in front of him. Oh, yeah. You know? And then, like, Ellis is almost always at the hospital, according to Liz Fallon in season one, presumably 
leaving Thatcher to like take care of Meredith by himself. And then we learned in this episode that Ellis was the one that asked him to leave. Like, like Thatcher was still staying. You know what I mean? After all, all the shit that. that she put him through. And Ellis asked him to leave. And then, like, Meredith blames Thatcher for leaving and not trying harder. Like, why do you think she blames Thatcher? Because she is Ellis? I think because, in a way, maybe she thinks that if he had left earlier, her and the chief could have worked out or something. Or, like, I don't... Meredith didn't want him to leave at all. Oh, I was talking about Ellis. Oh. No, I'm asking, why is Meredith mad? Why Meredith blames Thatcher for, like, not trying hard enough. I just, I don't think she... It seems like misplaced blame. I think she doesn't understand it. Well, and also, how can she really blame her mom in the state she is? I would find it very easy to blame Ellis. You know, but like confronting her like that. Oh, yeah, so I think can't. it's almost in a way of, or even it could be, why didn't you try harder? You just left. I think it might be for her too, because when Thatcher left, he never like came back for Meredith. Well, and he also never like confronted Ellis. I feel like that's what maybe and Meredith think, is getting and, at. And that's and I think the thing is like when she's like you just like left and I think it's mostly like you just left me. And you just rolled over. Like you know like you mm-hmm. didn't like confront the fact that like my well, wife has hickeys that aren't from me, you yeah. know? Well, and because we, we learn a lot later that like growing up with Ellis was not great. Easy for mm-hmm. Meredith. And so I think there's a little bit of resentment there and she's kind of like you were never there for me. Yeah, you left me. Like, yeah. you just left and did nothing. Kind of Which thing. is what makes it interesting because it's like, Meredith is like, do you think, Derek, if you and Addison had kids, Addison wouldn't have cheated? You know? Mm-hmm. Like, because I think Meredith is assuming that Derek wouldn't leave kids. Yeah. So then we get, everybody needs a fence to lean on by headlights mm-hmm. playing. Let me just open this scene by saying Kate Walsh's eyebrows are doing some extreme acting. They are. They're doing some heavy lifting oh, in this yeah. scene. Mm-hmm. Just watch this woman's eyebrows. And confirmation, that is a shirt. It's not just a scarf. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mark is wearing all black, much like Addison was when she first arrived. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Subtle choice, but good choice. Good choice. And then I like this when Mark goes, how can you forgive her, but not me? And Derek goes, I didn't forgive her. And with you, I have no obligation to try. And it's like, oof. And you're like, ow. Yeah. Because now you get the, like, not only is he still in love with Meredith. Well, he didn't. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But we we pretty much know. I mean, Mark said it earlier yeah. in the episode. Mm-hmm. And that he hasn't forgiven Addison yet. And you're like, holy shit. He's staying with basically what he says, like, and with you have no obligation to try. He's basically staying with her because of obligation. I mean, there's that word again. He uses that word obligation. We have two Native American drawings in the background, but they're not both circle drawings. There's one little bird thing thing, and one little, like, I don't even know. And then you get Mark saying, your marriage is over, Addison. All you have to do is admit it and you can come back home with me. I'm going to the bar across the street. Meet me there. So if you do decide to sign the papers, meet me there. It's the same exact line. It's a parallel, yeah. And it's coming from Mark, who's been compared to Meredith. Oh, yeah. The dirty mistresses. Yeah. But, like, do you think, like, 2006 Meredith and Derek fans were like, go, Addison, go. You know? I don't know. And almost for a half second, 
when she's kind of looking at Mark, I feel like you almost get a little bit of the like, she might. But here's a comparison I want to I want to say. Addison obviously is not getting much love from her husband mm. right now. And Mark is this this guy that's saying everything she wants to hear and he's right there. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. She wish, and she almost for a split second is tricked, almost like a quotes tricked into going with him because mm-hmm. she wants somebody that wants her. Basically, he's saying all the right things. Yeah, compare that to George later in this in this Isn't it like episode. The next, scene? he's saying all the right things. Oh, you know what yet. I mean? Not yet. Mm-hmm. And so I just wonder if like Mark is almost Addison's George. Like, maybe that's how he fits into it, mm. Mark. Oh, my God. This yeah. speech from Burke. Yes. So we get... Christina's in bed eating Chinese. On Burke's nightstand is, like, this old, like, black woman with, like, a... This picture of his grandma. Is it his grandma? Because... Either that or he just... Uh, Either that or Creepy pictures of old women. Creepy, yeah. Like, you know... Um, I'm hoping it's his grandma. I hope it's his grandma or, you know, his favorite maple syrup provider. So, Burke just comes in and he's like, shut up. Like, he literally gives her the finger, which is not not the middle finger, but, you know. The, like, shush finger. They're like, shush now. Mm-hmm. Adults are speaking. And Burke goes, I am Preston Burke, a widely renowned cardiothoracic surgeon. I am a professional. And more than that, I am a good and kind person. I am a person that cleans up behind myself. I am a person that cooks well. And you, you are an unbelievable slob, a slovenly angry intern. I am Preston Burke. And you, you are the most competitive, most guarded, most stubborn, most challenging person I have ever met. And I love you. What the hell is the matter with you that you won't just let me? Which is so cute. And then she just goes, I gave up my apartment 20 minutes ago. The face that Shonda, um, that Sandra O oh has in this scene is just, like, unbelievable. Like, her lips just look massive, and she looks like she's about to cry. <laughs> no. And then he just goes, well, all right then. Yeah, and you're like, what this just was, happened? This was literally the equivalent of the two of them being like, I love you so much. And then the other one being like, I love you too. Yeah, okay, whatever. And then they're like, this is fantastic. Goodbye. And then he just leaves. And I just want to point out the fact that there's an old man hugging a saxophone in a picture <laughs> in Burke's apartment. That's he's just like, check out my saxophone. And then he's wearing like one of those like French like artist hats. I'm blown away that this is something that Burke hangs in his apartment. That's his grandfather. Oh my god. That'd be amazing. <laughs> Grandpa Ernie and his saxophone. Duke Silver. Like a star by... Corinne Bailey Ray starts playing, and Izzy walks up to George, who is in an unfortunate hat. It's just terrible. It kind of looks like the hat that, like, Kristoff wears in Frozen. It's horrible. Is George Kristoff? Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like Anna is, like, Izzy. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Meredith is Elsa? Ice Queen. Then who's Hans? I don't know. Alex. Alex. Wait, who's Olaf? <laughs> Christina? <laughs> no. No, hang on. I feel like it's Burke or somebody. A happy snowman. I love this. George goes, she doesn't hear me. And he just goes, what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that was supposed to be funny, but either way it was. 
Like, I think it was supposed to be more of like, what are you talking about, George? Or like something like, but I just, she doesn't hear me. What? <laughs> and Izzy's just kind of looking at George like, oh my God, you're like, you need to like go sit and Derek's man pain. <laughs> like, you have so much man pain right you now. You and Derek can go talk about your man pain together in the man pain bridge. Talk about the same woman. And George goes, she doesn't even hear me when I talk. No one and does. And then Izzy goes, she will if you make her. I'm <laughs> you, just... you fed the beast, didn't you? Twice. You're like, mm. like uh. Anyway, she runs over to Alex and they run off together. And just this quick little scene of the chief and Ellis in the nursing home, which I love. Or I, I seriously always love these scenes where the chief is talking in like present day mm-hmm. and Alice isn't. And she's talking in like past tense. Yeah, I just love that. Ugh, they utilize it so much and I'm so glad. Meredith came to see me today. Hmm, poor baby, poor thing. Her father left, you know. And it's like Alice showing that she really does care about her daughter. It's just so kind of rare. Yeah. I think she knows about us, Alice. Which is like, the chief is saying that, like, I think she knows, like, in now. Yeah, now. I think she's figured it out. I know, you know, I know, I know. <laughs> yeah, I know you. <laughs> That was perfect. I know you know, I know, I know. And then Ellis goes, she's five years old, Richard. You dumb slut. <laughs> Richard, you dumb piece of shit. <laughs> and his face is like, well, yeah. <laughs> like, I got this screenshot where she's just like hard as a rock. Like, her face is like, I can't even believe you're talking still. Like, so Meredith. And then the chief is like, I made my bed. I got to lie in it. And then we, we, oh my God, we go to Joe's bar and you know that Joe kind of loves the business of like, this is where people like send their ultimatums because then they always come and they're super sad and they're drinking a lot. Oh yeah. It's great for, for business at Joe's bar. And Mark sits down next to Meredith and he orders a double scotch single malt. Classic Dolly. Am I right? (laughs) She's like, why are you still here? And he's just like, well, I'm hoping Addison shows up and Meredith, you're still in love with her. Which is interesting because nobody told Meredith that he was in love with her. Yeah. And Mark, you're still in love with him. Then Meredith, she won't show, you know. No. He's not the kind of guy you leave if you can help it. Which it's like, okay, I get it. And it's like this adorable thing. But Meredith is like sensationalizing this two month relationship she had with this man. Like when you think about it, she was with him for two months and she's like, this is the most spectacular fucking thing that's ever happened to anybody. I've known this man for two whole days (laughs) and I trust him with my life. (laughs) She's just like, isn't this two month relationship that ended in like fire burning? Like, Like, I know you've been his best friend for years. But I know him better than you. But let me just tell you something about Derek Shepard, Mark. Yeah, like, she's just like, isn't this the most glorious, like, the most magical fucking thing you've ever seen? And Mark is like, oh my god, what a monster. And I like the, like, what if just this once, life comes down on the side of the Dirty Mistresses. And I like that, too. Dirty Mistresses Club, they need cheerleaders. Joe is like, yes. Joe and Walter. (laughs) And then we just cut over to this quick, no dialogue scene with Derek just looking like the sorriest sack of shit, like laying on his bed. Like he's just like, he's just given up on He's life. literally sitting there like, where is my bridge of man pain? Yeah. And then Addison just my like crying mm-hmm. in the corner with her little melancholy violin music playing in her head. Yeah. And so finally we get over to this scene that we all want to talk about. 
Which, like, Meredith is just kind of, like, standing in the corner of her room, which is, like, like in the really dark. weird. Just strange. But Although, whatever. the lighting in this scene is phenomenal. Really yeah, the silhouette lighting. Mm-hmm. George just kind of, like, walks right up to her, and, like, I almost feel like he got her attention right away. You know what I mean? Like, just... Well, because he walks up to her, and, like, almost, like, the way he does it is, like, subtly demanding her attention. He's, like, psyching himself up. And he goes, I know I'm not a world-renowned surgeon, and I know I'm not a lot of things that you've gone for in the past. I know. But I would never leave you. I would never hurt you. And I will never stop loving you. Which is basically, like, just him saying everything that she needs to hear. Or everything that she thinks she needs to hear. Everything she wants to hear, basically. Oh, yeah. And especially, like, because she just had this, like, kind of shitty interaction with her father. Mm -hmm. And it's basically, he was there and she needed someone. And he was just saying all these things. And The tragedy of it is that George doesn't know any of the stuff that just went on with her father. No. So he was not there to take advantage of her. They also, none of the other interns even know that Ellis was having an affair. Mm Mm-hmm let alone with the chief and, like, all of this stuff. And so they, like, no no one knows any of this that she's dealing with. I don't know. Like, Meredith, like... They just kind of, like, lean into each other. Yeah, and she takes his shirt off, though. Oh, yeah. His long-sleeve, short-sleeve combo. And she's just like, get this thing off. Go burn it. Yeah, let's burn it. Like, kind of, like, lean into kiss. But, like, the silhouette is awesome. It's cool. And, like... It's a cool shot. I kind of like. I kind of like it. You know, I'm like, wow, these these two actually kind of do have a little bit of chemistry or whatever. But then I'm like, no, no. But then I don't know. But I like, I feel like it's necessary. So anyway, Krista Vernoff was wildly opposed to Meredith and George hooking up until Shonda was like, what if it was on the heels of Meredith going to see her father? Because what um, Krista Vernoff says is that the way. Like, Meredith had been psyching herself up for 20 years, and the way that Thatcher responded was, or everything he said was wrong. Not what she wanted to hear, you know? Not, like, what she wanted out of him. And George, all he knew is he spent the entire day working working up his courage to finally, finally make her hear him. And unwittingly, he said the world's most perfect things. He said he would never leave her like her father did. He said he would never hurt her like Derek did. And he said he would never stop loving her. And he was safe and familiar and so incredibly kind. And she wanted that kindness in her life very badly. She wanted to be a healthy woman who would choose the nice guy who loved her and stop chasing the sexy, unavailable guys who didn't or couldn't. Yeah, I'm kind of shocked that, like, like George just wants this so badly that it's not a red flag that, like, she just immediately wants to have sex with him. You know what I mean? Where it's like, he wants a relationship with her. You know what I mean? He's in love with her. He's not just, like, after, like, sex. And then... I don't know. Yeah. Like, is that a red flag or am I just, like, super old-fashioned? I mean, it would be a red flag to me, but... Yeah. I think he also, in a way, has been building this up for so long that it's just kind of like, he's like, yes, finally. Closing speech. I've heard it's possible to grow up. I've just never met anyone who's actually done it. Without parents to defy, we break the rules we make for ourselves. We throw tantrums when things don't go our way. We whisper secrets with our best friend in the dark. We look for comfort where we can find it. And we hope against all logic, against all experience. Like children, we never give up hope. Seriously, Count? One. Patient rankings. Um, 
So my number five is Mark Sloan, because he got punched in the face by Derek, which was kind of hilarious and mm-hmm. awesome. Yeah, he was my number four. So my number four is Ellis Gray, which, you know, they counted her as a patient. I don't know if I should have. I loved the Ellis stuff this episode. I don't know if I've made that clear. Mm-hmm. But I really, really, like, I've always said that Ellis Gray is, like, kind of Meredith's biggest hurdle in life, like, mm-hmm. emotional Everything that Meredith does is colored by, I don't want to be my mother. Or, like, everything she does is colored by, like, experiences she had because of her mother. Her mother has really left a huge mark on her as a person. Um, So my number three was Pamela. Just because, like, honestly, she didn't do that much for the episode. Like, she was just talking about Izzy and their beasts and whatever. (laughs) My number three is actually Jake um, Mufasa Burton. You know, I made these patient rankings before I looked up the Dolly and Picasso stuff. And just that one line, I feel like, pushes it over. But, like, honestly, these patients were kind of, like, blah. Whatever. Like, they kind of go back to the patients and I'd be like, oh, right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> They're still in this like, episode. I don't really care about yeah. that. Yeah, my number two is Jake solely because of that's how we get a lot of the competitive Mark v. Derek mm-hmm. and a lot of that kind of stuff, which is interesting. I mean, I put Pamela as two. And I think it's just because, like, it brought a lot of comedy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I really do love Katherine Heigl, and so she was... Comedic relief, yeah. Honestly, two and three could just Whatever. be anybody. It's number one. That, one is Chuck. Yeah. Which, like, even though, like, you're like, yeah, he's great, he's still not, like, He's not great. that great. Yeah. You know, like, he's not, like... This was not a patient episode, no. that's for sure. But, yeah, I mean, he did the sometimes a man has to say his piece, you know? Oh, Yeah. And they had the parallels with Burke. He had the parallels with George. He had the parallels with Meredith. Yeah. I mean, I really did like the concept of the videotaping and then him being a jerk. Mm-hmm. It's just like... He himself is not that memorable. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you would think that we would be able to come up with a make one change. The thing is, I feel like I can't pinpoint why this episode isn't my favorite. But mostly, it's just the patients weren't that memorable and the theme really never stuck out to me, you know? Mm-hmm. I never got the whole kind of growing up theme and, like, that they're supposed to be, like, adolescents and all that stuff. Like, that never really stuck out to me the way that some of the other themes. And, like, maybe maybe like, that would and, be the change. In 108 and, like, that kind of stuff. Like, mm-hmm. those themes really... Or 211. St- yeah, like, that really just stuck out for you and something. Um, but, it do- I mean, it does a good job with the, inter- like, main character storylines so do we really miss out on anything because the patients weren't that great? I don't know. Like I don't know. Because we still got a good story arc with all like with like and stuff and we learned a ton about the Mark and Addison we, relationship. We learned so much, yeah. In that whole love triangle and all that stuff. And we got a lot with like the Ellis mm-hmm. great um Chief Thatcher stuff. But I feel like this was just like almost like an info dump episode. Yeah. Like they just dumped all this information on you, which I mean, it was, whatever. The point of this episode was solely to introduce Mark and Thatcher mm-hmm. and like what they had to And to finally get the George thing. Well, yes. Which also I think is another reason why this isn't my favorite because like it's a good scene, but it makes me cringe because I'm just like, no. Yeah. Meredith and George don't belong together and it's just, ugh. It's just awkward. Yeah. Uh-huh. Anyway. So, next week, we are talking about Season 2, Episode 19, What Have I Done to Deserve This? Written by Stacey McKee. Finally, I love her. Directed by Wendy Stansler. Um, If you want to get in touch with us, you can on Twitter, 
at Grays Uncut. That's the account for the podcast. For me, it's at Hazard underscore Emily. For Becca, it's at Anderson underscore Becca. We have a Gmail for longer questions or comments, which is Uncut at gmail.com. And we have a website, which is grazenatomyuncut.home.blog. Also, if you guys would be so kind to rate and review us on iTunes, you know, if you feel like it or whatever. Please. Please. Yeah, so yeah. And that's pretty much it. Anything else, Becca? I don't think so. All right. We'll see you next time. Excited for next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.